Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. A very good morning, and you're welcome to today's Signpost webinar. We hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you're joining us from uh, this morning. Uh, we all know that the clock is ticking when it comes to climate change and the impact that it's having on our world we live on today. Never has it been so urgent to develop practical ways for us to decarbonize our society. So today we'll be discussing how innovation is driving uh, climate action in the dairy sector. And to tell us more about this, we're joined by Stuart Gee, who is coordinator of the Climate Kick Deep Demonstration Partnership. Uh, good morning, Stuart. You're very welcome to today's webinar. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm very good. Very good. Morning, good. Could you tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your your own background and and what brought you to this this project that we're going to discuss today? Yeah, sure. So, look, I suppose essentially I'm I'm farmer's son. No farm left for me. Um, went off, um, worked overseas in international development of all things for for a long time on agriculture and sustainability with subsistence farmers mainly all over the world, and then came back to Ireland and was kind of looking to get involved more in the Irish agri-food sector, you know, just with family stuff and all the rest, you know, didn't want to be traveling so much anymore. Um, and this role came up. Um, the partnership had already been agreed between DAFM and, and EIT Climate Kick, and it's actually mentioned in, in Food Vision under Mission 4. Um, and they were looking for someone on the ground here in Ireland um, to kind of be the boots on the ground and the, the local um, the local content or content person, I guess, essentially. Um, okay. So I applied and I got the job. <laughs> and and in, in a nutshell, what, how would you describe this EIT climate kick? What what is what is? Uh, what, how yes, does so um, the EIT bit is the European uh, Innovation Technology, and then you've got a climate, and then the kick bit stands for Knowledge and Innovation Community. So there's more than just us. We have about 130 members, and we're all, always looking to expand that. Um, so it's it's a it's a partnership. It is a community of of um, like minded organisations. I guess all of our funding would have initially come from Europe, and we would have passed that on through accelerator programs and entrepreneurship programs. Um, but that is shifting now. Um, our funding is coming to an end, and we're looking for ways to use what we've learned over the last ten twelve years to really catalyse climate action. Um, and to create impact and to actually impact on the numbers that we're trying to work with. So that's where the deep demonstration approach has come out of and this idea of systems innovation as a as a service to people who are trying to um, tackle these challenges. And this is a partnership with the Irish Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine as well. Yes, yes. So uh, initially it was a two-year um, partnership with uh, and putting in 80% and us putting in 20%. Um, We've that would have finished next February, but it's just been. I think we're 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 co-creating the next phase of it now, so it is looking like we'll be extended for another number of years. Uh, okay. Obviously, you can't do systems change quickly, so uh, yeah. Yes, yes, great. Well, that gives us a good overview. So, um, Pat, I didn't even say good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Pat. Hope you're well today. Uh, Very good. You're going to help us with questions later on. So we'll hand over to you, Stuart, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you after the presentation. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Um, okay, so I'm going to run through um, just a little bit of painting the picture of, of how the partnership has, has come, come into being. Um, then I'm going to talk a little bit about our process and how we, our approach to systems change and systems innovation. And then I'm going to talk a bit more about um, specifics to the project that we're working on here at the moment. 
um, and then we can open up for a Q&A at the end. This partnership was already kind of uh, agreed in some ways in, in the Food Vision document. Um, it's under Mission 4, um, where there was a commitment to engage uh, with partners to develop a coordinated set of innovation actions and to collaborate um, with other networks and to try and build our, to support the transition to a climate neutral um, and circular bioeconomy. So that's how it kind of started out. So I suppose, what does a systemic approach bring to Ireland? You know, this is kind of standard enough stuff in some ways. And instead of looking at the, the different parts of the puzzle, we look at the whole puzzle and um, what is the big picture and what are we trying to achieve? Instead of looking, analyzing just individual little parts, we're looking at, okay, taking all that together, synthesizing that information and looking at the root causes of, of why, um, what, whatever the problem is um, and trying to address that. And then we are trying to be as participatory as possible and to have a, as inclusive decision-making as possible to co-create solutions as much as possible. Um, this is always a challenge um, because, you know, just getting the time to go and sit with people and meet with people um, and engage is a challenge. Um, but we're doing our best to try and build that in. And I'll talk a bit more about that later. And then from, you know, working in this place where you expect to know what your answers are going to be to being a little bit more open minded and going, OK, it, let's just stick to the process. And see what comes out of it, um, which is not always easy, um, and it's a very different way of working um, than probably my own my previous background in consulting, where you're kind of you're expected to deliver, you know, this is what you're going to deliver, off you go. Um, whereas with this process, it's much more okay. Let's figure out, get the right people in the room. Let's go deep and see where that takes us, and then go again. Um, and I think that bit about going again is the last point there about the. Not moving away from linear to more regenerative circular design uh, ideas so we we build in trying to, we're trying to build in learning loops so we don't have to get it perfect the first time but we reflect on that and we go okay what could we do better we go again and we get it better next time so it's continuous improvement really so the objective of our partnership as I said, it is demand-led and, and involves co-designing interventions with the key stakeholders across our agri-food sector uh, I should say it's it's called a land agri-food deep demonstration, but it does include the marine as well, um, which to make, make it even more complex. Um, so the kind of the the point of our first year of work was to come up with this portfolio of large-scale interconnected interventions uh, in the in the system. Uh, I'll describe those a, a, a bit more detail in a few minutes. Um, but that's our theory is that there is no silver bullet that you have to address multiple things at the same time. As we'd say, you've got to pull on multiple levers of change at the same time um, and understand how they're all impacting each other um, and build in this uh, learning by doing process, uh, both within each of those uh, interventions, but across them as well. Um, so hopefully that helps us make better informed decisions and about our choices to meet our, our climate goals. So that's a little bit in the background. The, the process so far here in Ireland, so we started, I guess we started in March last year, really, maybe April kind of time. And we spent a long time doing um, stakeholder engagement. Um, 
I suppose we have a, a kind of a, a basic four-stage process. Um, it's never as uh, as simple as putting things into four very defined steps. There's always you know two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, four steps forward, five steps back, kind of a thing going on. Um, but the the first bit is the defining the vision and and um, the intent is what we call it. So. Obviously, we've already we had food vision that had just been agreed, so we didn't really need to go into a huge amount of work in trying to get stakeholders aligned on on a on a common vision and intent. Because the four missions from food vision, regardless of whether you agree with everything that's in food vision or whether it will deliver or not, it's kind of hard to disagree with the the intent behind the four missions and the overall vision of of Ireland wanting to be a leader in sustainable food systems. Um, so. That kind of that was an easy enough. We had, we had a, a lot of the groundwork had already been done for us in that respect, um, and it was just kind of validating that and then and then moving on. Um, and then the the framing then is defining the the intervention strategy. So what we did was we we looked at the agri food system in Ireland. We we mapped it. Um, not a classic uh, systems map by any stretch of the imagination because it is so complex here and we felt it would have just looked like a big ball of string. Um, but we did map it and we spent a lot of time engaging with stakeholders to understand you know, what's behind the numbers in, in terms of our national statistics and stuff on, on the various aspects of the system. Um, and then we looked at, so what are our problem spaces or, or as we kind of framed it, our, our innovation space, so look at it from a more positive perspective. Um, and so we, we kind of frame that as a cube with three axes with different things on each axis. Um, and we kind of look at this, this is, this is all our interventions need to fit in here. So we, anything we want to do needs to touch off all three axes and connect it up. The, the cube should be full, essentially the space. There should be no blank spaces in our cube. So that's essentially, uh, I know that could be a little bit hard to get your head around. Um, it took me a long time to figure it out. Uh, but that's essentially what our, our theory of change is around that. So then we get on to this portfolio piece, which is where we've agreed that our stakeholders have helped us come up with um, this portfolio of actions. We're currently in this activation phase for that portfolio. So we're trying to get um, kind of co-design the actual, we have the topics, we have the ideas, but we need to build them into an actual tangible deliverables and projects. And we're working on that at the moment. Um, and we've put success metrics to those. And then we're into this this final stage, which is sense making and the feedback loops, where we we build into the design of our work um, opportunities to uh, reflect on what we've done. Has it worked? Has it not worked? Um, to pull in uh, information from outside, to so make sure what we call it innovation scanning, to see what's happening in the rest of the world, um, and is there stuff that we could just pull into the Irish situation. Not just the rest of the world, but outside of our initiatives here in Ireland, um, to make sure that we stay on top of the game and we don't miss a beat. Um, and hopefully, then that leads to better decisions and um, better solutions and more impactful solutions. That's the theory. So, as I said, we did a huge amount of stakeholder consultations. We have a consultative group, a multi stakeholder consultative group that oversees all of this. There's 25 organizations on that, ranging from Department of Agriculture, Department of Environment, Department of Higher Education, Department of Taoiseach, Department of Enterprise. Then a lot of the state agencies, so Chagask are obviously on it. We'd have Board Bia, um, Quilcha. We have the Strategic Investment Fund, Bank of Ireland, uh, some of the farming organizations, 
um, and then some industry reps as well from the meat and dairy side and also from the um, marine bioeconomy side. I'm probably leaving a few people out there, so apologies if anybody's on the call and they're feeling left out, but it's it's a quite a, um, a diverse group and they kind of approve or, or not everything that we do. So we get together maybe once every quarter to discuss uh, how things are going. Beyond that, we've held a huge number of one-on-one -on -one interviews or one-on-twos um, with individuals across the, the sector here in Ireland. And more recently, we're getting into, as part of our different flagships, getting into having focus groups with actual farmers themselves, rather than just inviting farmers to be some stakeholders at some of our events, because um, we feel it's hugely important that we we design from the bottom up and not from the top down. So we've attended loads of events, obviously, in Ireland as well, and we facilitated some of our own. As part of our deep demo process, we held three um, kind of fairly large workshops. We spread them around, so Ashtown, and then we did one in Galway City, and then we did a, one down in Formoy in Moor Park as well. Um, they were all done last year. And then we've had kind of, for a couple of areas that we felt we weren't um, hitting enough or putting enough emphasis on, we had a tillage and horticulture focus group uh, down in Athai back in February, and we've had a few uh, online uh, meetings with the, with some representatives from the blue bioeconomy, so the, the, the marine sector as well. And then obviously I'm part of a, a European-wide organization. So while I'm kind of the face of this here in Ireland, I have a large team of various uh, experts supporting our work here from across Europe. So we pull on them as well and our wider climate kick community as well. So all of that, and we have kind of four kind of documents, I suppose, that we produced in the systems map I mentioned. We also did a policy insights report, which looked at, um, climate action and uh, CAP strategic plans across, um, well, the CAP strategic plans are across eight European countries and then four other countries as well um, that aren't in CAP, so outside Europe. Then we've done this innovations report, which has focus areas, uh, chapters on carbon farming, just transition, circular economy, um, alternative proteins, um, and various bits and pieces like that. And then we've we're, we obviously have to find, part of our mandate is to find the funding to implement all these things that we're talking about um, as well. So we're looking at, uh, we started scanning the funding and financing landscape and this, this work has moved on now quite a bit. So all of that gave us a huge number of ideas. A lot of them were existing and some of them were new. None of them were ours, I would say. Something, anything, anything in there I could say, I, I thought of that. Um, they all came from other people. Um, and other reports or pieces of work. And we curated all of that uh, with this help of our consultative group into seven flagships. So I've probably covered this policy scanning bit already. Um, I don't think there's too much more I need to add in there. And the innovation piece I think is really important that this is continuous through our work because there's so much research and innovation happening around the world, not in, in Ireland, number one, but around the world on top of that that we need to keep on top of it to make sure that we have um, the most, we, we, we place our, our bet on the best uh, possible um, solutions or the ones that are most likely to, to succeed. Um, so that's really important. Um, and we're, we're involved in other projects, European-wide projects around uh, clean farms, which I know Chagas is also involved in, and the Credible Project, which is a, a network on carbon farming and stuff as well, that we try and pull in from that. I've mentioned the funding and finance piece. Um, 
so as an organization, we're also establishing an investment fund that will support this kind of uh, funding portfolios uh, of change. Um, so we're working on that as an organization. And then this other critical piece, which obviously is uh, very close to uh, Mark's uh, remit here, Mark at Bath's remit here, um, the capability building piece. Now, initially, we're focusing mostly on the department and on their needs around wanting to be able to deliver systems innovation uh, as, as a department um, and, and drive that forward. But I think we will also be addressing capability needs across uh, stakeholders within the kind of the focus areas of our flagships as well. Um, so, okay, so then on to our, our seven flagships. So our original mandate was to look at um, how do we achieve the 25% reduction targets in emissions by 2030. Now, you can see a quick look at these flagships shows that flagships go well beyond that. And I think that was reflected by what people were telling us in that, you know, there's a huge amount of research and technology and actions on the ground already focused on that 2030 agenda. So we didn't feel there was a massive amount of innovation that we could bring in there other than around how do we make it happen? We know we know a lot of the things that are in the Mac and all these things that you guys are, are trying through the signpost farms. So there's not a huge amount of innovation to be brought in there other than how do we make it scale it quicker, I guess, um, these things. But what came out really strongly was, and this came up from a farmer who stood up in our first workshop and he said, what does this look like for me? What does my farm look like in 2040 or 2050? And that has really resonated with, with me in particular, but I guess the whole team. And so that's, we said, okay, well, let's the food sector look like in 2050. So let's create a much longer term vision um, and, and co-create that with obviously with farmers, but with other stakeholders. Now, this is early stages of design, so we're not sure how it will look, but it could be a citizen's assembly or it could be something else. We're not really sure. Um, but we're engaging with senior management and Daffin to kind of uh, flesh out how we go about this. Um, but I think it's a really interesting uh, piece of work. Um, the second flagship then is around looking at new value chains or new products from existing value chains. Um, so, you know, all the stuff we produce today is great, but it may not be what we'll need in the future. Um, there's always new things coming online and there's, you know, you've got grass biorefining, for instance, where you can break down grass into four different parts and each part has a value. And um, there's all, all kinds of different things we could be doing. Um, so this is kind of saying, OK, look, we've been brilliant at farm, pharma and tech in Ireland. So what, what are the bioeconomy um, industries of the future that we want to make sure we have here in Ireland? Um, and trying to trying to plan out that and build in that and invest in that. And then flagship three is very much around the a kind of a more place-based, as we would say, or a regional circular bioeconomy. So how do we build out a uh, circular bioeconomy at a, on a regional uh, level? Uh, this one is already well underway within the design phase, and we've been engaging with the three regions, so the Midland, East and Midlands, Southwest and Northwest, I think, um, on looking at how we can, we can build that out. Then the, the bottom four flagships are the ones that I'm kind of more responsible for. Uh, my colleague Denise kind of leads on the first three. Um, so flagship four, um, it's, it's the national carbon farming framework, essentially, uh, which we, we hope will go beyond carbon farming and include 
um, biodiversity, nature credits, and, and emissions reductions as well. Um, but I'll talk a bit more in detail on that one uh, shortly. Uh, flagship five hasn't quite started yet, but we're just at early stage. We're looking at how do we, um, and don't don't kill me for calling it climate neutral beef. Uh, it could be sustainable beef uh, or whatever. We, we haven't kind of settled on a, on a terminology here yet. Um, but to look at the, the premise being that, you know, from the meat sector, a lot of people will say, well, you know, some of our more extensive uh, meat beef farmers are probably close to being climate neutral already. So we're saying, okay, well, let's let's look at defining what what that would mean on a farm, and then let's look at baselining some farms and seeing where we're at, and then is there a possibility to get a premium through the market for uh, a certified product? Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're thinking of there. But as I said, very early stage in that. So happy to have, don't don't hold me to anything in particular on that one just yet. Um, flagship six on the dairy. Um, we are we've this one has started. We've had some funding to actually uh, get some uh, some different uh, consultants or partners in, uh, engaged on this. Um, this has started in the last month. So we're trying to co-create with the dairy sector what. What does sustainable dairy production look like? Um, so this goes beyond the twenty-five percent reduction. But what what would what would actually a fully sustainable dairy production system look like? And that goes beyond environmental to include, you know, your social, your economic, and um, I think we were having discussions the other day about even this partly this kind of idea of inspiration, like to be you know to be proud of your product and the way you produce it and to see a future in producing it um i think there's there's a bit there which is kind of interesting so we're, we're working on that at the moment and then once we kind of come up with a the definition is a not, not quite the right term maybe the boundary conditions or the would, would be a better way of looking at it once we come up with that then to kind of go okay what would that mean then for the dairy sector as it is now if it were to transition to that is it even possible um and to figure that out um so yeah, so that's that one. And then flagship seven is growing and diversifying the tillage sector. Um, so there's a food vision tillage group established back uh, beginning of the summer, I think. So we're kind of waiting for that group to uh, finalize its deliberations before we kind of push ahead because we don't want to um, operate in parallel. We'd rather wait and see what comes out of that and then we can take that and run with it and help to try and implement it, some of the recommendations from it. So that's our seven flagships. Um, in terms of the structure, the way all this is set up, so at the bottom of the screen there, you'll see we have our, our seven flagships, F1 to 7. So for each flagship, we've set up kind of a, or we will, if we haven't already, set up a, a delivery team of a bunch of different stakeholders that are, are keen to drive it forward. Um, then we have what we call our portfolio management team, which is ourselves and DAFM. We have a, a kind of a tight-knit partnership there that will drive it forward. And then at the top, as I mentioned earlier, we have our consultative group that kind of oversees everything and they will be doing kind of checking across all the flagships to, to see how they're going, not just the individual ones. Um, so I mentioned, I've probably mentioned a good bit of this already, so I don't really need to go into it in, in too much detail um, on this slide. But the idea around a national carbon farming framework, this was something that was in the uh, Daphne's Climate Action Plan already. Uh, it came out strongly as a, a priority with our stakeholder engagement. So there was an obvious kind of, well, let's work on it together. Um, which is what we're doing. Um, and I think just to kind of give a, a little flavor of how we've set that up, we have kind of three work packages. 
So there is a public consultation document available on, on the department's website at the moment, uh, which please do go on and give your feedback. The questions aren't particularly heavy, but there is space there for your own comments or reflections at the end. Um, but it will give us good direction on what should be included in a national framework. Um, then we have a second work package, which we call Focused Engagement, which, uh, sorry, FDT is our flagship delivery team. So uh, the different members of the team are working on that and engaging key stakeholders. So yesterday we met with three or four different uh, farming organizations um, and we've gone down to Cork and met with farmers as well. And we're, we're continuing that over the next couple of months. Deadline for the framework is the end of the year or January next year. So there'll only be so much engagement we can get in this time around. But don't worry, this is version 1.0. Um, there will be plenty of opportunities to, um, and it's maybe easier to comment and give feedback on something when it's in black and white in, on a page in front of you than to think about the theory of it. Um, so then the third work package then is once we have a better idea of what's in the framework, we will start work with um, pulling together some uh, stakeholders to actually draft an implementation plan on how we might test it um, or build the, the necessary structures and processes around having a national framework. So like governance structures, who's going to do the monitoring and verification, all that kind of stuff. Um, and who does the, the data collection on the ground, the baselining if that's needed, and all that kind of stuff. I'm happy to take questions on that uh, at the end as well. But just to give you an idea, this is the, the process we're in at the moment. Um, and for the carbon farming framework, this is our kind of draft kind of outline of our table of contents at the moment. Um, so if you have any feedback or input on any of these, do please stick it in, into the, uh, the public consultation document. Um, so again, the objective, principles like what kind of things should be included in the framework uh fairness this this idea of just transition like how do we make sure that people who've been doing good work all along um get rewarded for that or are rewarded for it or have they already been rewarded for it through various schemes or grants um but to make sure it's fair um governance who who's responsible um what measures will be included um so big discussions to be had on that uh, and where the science is um, who's going to do the monitoring and reporting and verification, all that kind of stuff, and the auditing. Um, again, we've already got origin green, so we like a lot of the building blocks for this are in place. It's maybe more pulling things together rather than uh, reinventing the wheel. Um, the financing piece is obviously the big question that everybody comes to. How much am I going to get? Who's going to pay for it? And we're working on that at the moment. Don't have any clear answers as yet, but the principle will be that it needs to be above and beyond what we're getting through CAP, that there's extra money here. Um, that's that's what we're aiming for. Um, and then, you know, at the, at the end there, the capability needs then. So if we have this framework, do we have the resources and the capacity to actually implement it um, and to figure out if there are gaps in that and what we need to do to close those gaps? So I'm focusing just on two flagships today. Um, and this is the dairy one. As I mentioned, it's all about creating this idea of what sustainable dairy might look like, co-creating it, we'd like to say. So uh, um, so within this one, we have four work packages, so um, ourselves. We have funding from the Environmental Defence Fund Europe, uh, which is a bit of a random one, but they set up in Europe uh, a couple of years ago. They're a big American NGO, um, and they set up in Europe a couple of years ago to uh, work on various 
environmental issues. And luckily, as part of their kind of focusing on what they wanted to work on, they wanted to work on agriculture, they wanted to work on methane reduction, and then they, they said they said Ireland would be a good place. And randomly, we just got chatting to them at the right time. So they had a few uh, a few bob to, to throw our way to help us get this up and running. Um, so myself and them, we're working on this first bit, which is the management and synthesis part of the, the flagship. We have uh, one of our Climate Kick members, Metabolic, are working on this bit about defining the sustainable dairy. I, I don't like the term defining because it feels like one size fits all. It, it, it won't look like that. It'll be much more flexible, I think. Um, but agreeing the boundary conditions, I think, maybe for sustainable dairy uh, might be a, a better way of phrasing it. Um, so they're looking at it from that perspective, taking in you know uh, what they're doing all across Europe and around the world um, and what's happening here in Ireland as well, obviously, and trying to kind of come up with something that might work in the Irish context. Um, work package three is we have NJB Consulting helping us on this one, and that's very much focused at the industry level and engaging um, co-ops and industry partners to kind of reflect on whatever that that uh, those boundary conditions might be and go, okay, well, does that fit with my business model going forward? Um, you know, am I okay with that? Uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to engage them on, on testing it. Um, and then work package four is kind of similar to work package three, but coming at it from a very different perspective. There's a um, an initiative down in Waterford called the Bioregional Weaving Lab. So that's the BWL, um, which is looking at this from a landscape perspective. They, they have a different approach. It's much a much more bottom-up approach. Um, I'd spend a huge amount of time building relationships and trust with people in the region. Uh, then looking at, okay, what would what would sustainable dairy look like in the Waterford region? Um, or in, I, I shouldn't say the Waterford region because it goes, it's more geographical, so the, the, the bioregion. Um, and it's just a different perspective on things. And we kind of said, okay, this is something a bit different. Let's see if we put these three work packages together, what What's the recipe that comes out of that? Um, and take the best bits of everything, and hopefully we get something that will be really useful. Um, so that's our that's just a, a sample of two of the flagships. So of all the seven flagships, four of them are kind of being what we call activated right now, um, and the other three we will start activating in the coming month or six weeks. Um, and by activation, I mean we go as I say we go to to design what we want to do. Then we find the funding and then we move into implementation stage. So we'll have an implementation plan at the end of the activation phase, and then we go into implementation. Um, this just gives a little summary of, of our, our kind of ambition to get that done, um, but let's see how it goes. Um, sorry, so we've got uh, first waves and second waves. And then I, I mentioned earlier this whole thing, the critical aspect of this going forward is going to be what we call the, the sense-making, the learning loops. So We'll have our portfolio of, of flagships that we need to implement um, and we'll do our kind of standard monitoring, uh, you know, good project management stuff. We need to build in consistently this idea of the innovation scanning. So what else is happening? So I said earlier that could be from around Europe, around the world, but it's also in Ireland and on farm. So it's, it's to move away from this idea that, you know, someone is coming to you to tell you, give you options for what you can do. Maybe you can give them options for what they can they can share to other farmers. Um, so to create the conditions that for innovation to to thrive, I guess. 
Um, then policy innovation, so looking at how we develop policy. Uh, do we need new policies? Do we need to phase out old policies? Most definitely, I would say we probably will need to do that. So looking at that kind of stuff and, and how what, what new um, methodologies are there out there for doing that. Um, and then obviously the financial architecture, find the funding, maintain the funding, grow the funding, all that kind of stuff. Um, from maybe non-traditional sources. So this won't be looking just at EU and uh, state a, state funding. We'll have to look at uh, investment, environmental, you know, people want to philanthropy and that kind of stuff as well. And then, as I said, the capacity building piece is critical, both within each flagship and across all the flagships and, and across the system in general. Um, so that's kind of what we, the structure we would see going forward. Um, and I'm going to stop there and open up for questions, if that's okay. That's great. Uh, thanks very much, Stuart. So please do use the Q&A tab at the bottom of the screen to send us your questions uh, for, for Stuart. Um, Stuart is, um, so you, you, we'll, we'll have a few questions ourselves first, uh, Stuart, but yeah, do grab a, have a quick break there. It was a, a long presentation. Um, so this is, it seems to be a very strategic uh, project looking at, you know, longer timelines than beyond the 2030 uh, timelines. Um, you know, if, if we were to ask you just in terms of, you know, the impacts on advisors and farmers, uh, is, is this focused more, uh, post 2030, would you argue, or is it, is it, uh, what, what are they, what do farmers and, and advisors need to be keeping an eye out for and, and from this project? I think, I think it's, it's both. I mean, it, we, we, we have to reach our 25% reduction targets for 2030. So we want to, uh, but it's, it's not just those targets. There's also, you know, biodiversity targets, water quality targets. There's growing the tillage sector by 60,000 hectares by 2030. There's all those bits in it as well. It's not just the climate bit. Um, so we're hoping that all of these things together can help us. Now, it's not this, this initiative isn't going to do it on its own. There's mm. just no way. But hopefully it can help to put a framework in place to join the dots between all the existing great stuff that's happening. I say, okay, let's let's all pull in the same direction um, and to get this done. I think in terms of farmers, I mean, I suppose what we'll be looking for is to engage farmers more face to face as we as we design the flagships, but also through implementation to set up some kind of you know continual reflection focus groups that come back every time, every you know six months or a year, or whatever. I don't know how we'll set it up. But to make sure we get the ground truthing bit right, because, um, you know, very easy to kind of go and say, we're going to do this, that and the other. And then oh, somebody tried that before. It's not going to work. And mm. and you have to build that relationship and that trust and all that kind of stuff to, to, to move it forward. So I think, I think you know, with, with the MAC, we have a lot of these on-farm climate uh, mitigation measures in place. Um, I don't think there's a big ask beyond let's get those implemented. <laughs> um, and I think with flagship four around the ecosystem services or carbon farming, what we would hope to do is to bring in a, well, let's call it a scheme uh, through, through the, the framework that will pay for the, some of those things. So, you know, you're not just getting paid for your products anymore. Well, I know there's obviously, obviously you've got acres and all the things we do get the schemes we have get paid for the environmental schemes, but can we, have that additional piece of value for a farmer that okay, makes makes them 
don't say makes them, I don't hate that term, but that when you're making a decision on your farm about how you want to manage it, that factors into your decision. Okay, well, if, if I raise the water table on that field or that, or I shut off that corner and leave it for biodiversity, well, maybe economically I'll be better off and environmentally I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing and you know, that just works in my situation. You know, maybe I, I'm a part-time farmer and I don't, I don't have the time to be, maybe I could cut my stock a couple and, and still be doing, doing the right thing and have everything just, just right. And maybe I get a premium price for my product potentially down, down the line. If, I think that's where we want to get to. Um, yeah. But that's, maybe that's a bit utopian. I don't know. <laughs> if I, if I may, I mean, you have a lot of experience, uh, international experience in, in this area. And uh, I was, I attended a conference recently in Germany and a very eminent professor was speaking at it and uh, he was he was saying he was quite frustrated actually with the the, the he, he said there's so much talk about climate change or climate action um and plans and and strategies and so on but in terms of it translating into action and and this isn't specific to agriculture it was, it was across all of the different uh sectors and um he 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 just felt you know we need to move much more quickly uh, around this whole area. Um, what's what what are your own thoughts on that and and how how can we uh, mobilize uh, our efforts more more quickly? And it's a big big question, I know. Yeah, look, I, I suppose you know you, you you can you can wheel out the old chestnut. We should have started twenty thirty years ago, but the best time to start is now, <laughs> if you haven't started already. I think we're doing a huge amount in Ireland. I think the 25% target has really focused minds and not just minds, but actions. Now, that only came in a year ago. Things don't happen overnight. But I certainly, it's like if we tried to do this piece of work four years ago, we would have gotten nowhere. We'd still be, still be, you know, treading water, barely keeping our heads above water, I'd say. But now everybody's keen to be in the room because they want to know how we're going to do it and they want to be part of doing it. And I see that across the board from input suppliers to farmers to industry to processors, everybody. There's a small, small fringe minority that, you know, want us to stop producing cattle altogether. And then there's a small fringe minority that wants us to produce more and more and more and more and forget about the environment. They are tiny fractions at the very margins, as far as I'm concerned. The 95% or so are in the middle who want to get stuff done. I think the critical thing to remember is change is different for everybody. I remember, I think I was chatting to um, someone from Chagas way back, and they were saying, like, can you imagine if we moved away from can? If no Irish farmer was using can, that's a huge change. And I'm thinking, well, that's not that big of a change, really, right? Because protected your ear can, like, it's not, it's not that big of a difference, is it? But I think, you know, for different people, change is different. And I think once we all start moving, and the numbers are moving in the right direction now, I think that gives a sense of, yeah, we can do this. And success breeds success. You know, you support your local hurling team or football team, you know, when they win one championship, they're likely to go on and get in a semi-final or a final again the next year. You know, that's that, there's a belief there and hopefully Ireland will Ireland have yeah. win, win in their games. They'll win again on Saturday night. It's it's that kind of thing. And it's those intangibles 
that we need to build on. Because um, we have the bricks and mortar. We just need to get around and start building the house. Um, I think that's. I think we. I think we have started. It's not that we haven't. Yeah, yeah. We haven't got the roof on yet, but we're getting. Yeah, well, I think last last week's uh, sustainability report really showed that you know progress is being made and, and the figures are going in the right direction. Had some some very very interesting questions coming through from our our audience this morning. You're on oh, mute. Sorry, do you want me to look at the queue? Sorry, oh, I, I don't think no, no, uh, we'll put the questions to you, Stuart. Okay, so good, right. yeah. No, and uh, a question there, and uh, it's, it's quite specific in relation to fl flagship uh, uh, five. Uh, you're using the word sustainable for the dairy sector, but would we be uh, better to use sustainable grass fed and and incorporate another element, I suppose, of of uh, uh, sustainability in that? Yeah. Look, I, I think. I think what we want to do is agree what should be included for it to be sustainable. Um, and we don't want to, like the definition for sustainable, we think could be different for different kind of production systems in some ways. So it, it's not that it's a definition, it's more boundary conditions. So I think that's a, tr it's a really tricky one. And we wouldn't want to go into too much going like, does it have to be grass fed or does it have to be something else? I think it's economic, social, environmental, and this, Potentially, this extra a bit on the inspiration piece that there's there's a future in this in this for me and my family or or my farm partnership or whatever it is. Um, I think that's I, I'd be reluctant to add a particular because then you're kind of you don't want to marginalise somebody who could be doing great things, but you just haven't thought of them yet. So that's kind yeah. of right. There's a, a question there, and it's it's something to, you alluded to that. Uh, how are we going to develop systems that uh, appreciate and, and don't penalize those who have already been making those those strides in a policy framework which usually focuses just on change and on and, and on so uh, it's maybe a little bit about protecting what has been developed as well as as uh, 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 just paying for change yeah yeah and I, th I think this is really tricky bit um the short answer is we'll do we'll figure it out together i guess <laughs> um like one of our one of our key stakeholders uh is the national economic and social council who wrote the report earlier in the year on just transition and agriculture so we're obviously tapping into their expertise on this it's not going to be easy i would say currently and this is me speaking i'm not speaking for anybody else um i don't see anything that would disincentivize good work that's been done already but will that good work be rewarded is a, is a different question now i think the way we're looking at currently the way we're looking at the carbon farming ecosystem services uh framework is that if we can include what i call the three buckets so emissions reductions carbon removals and sequestration in soil or in, in trees or hedgerows and the third one then being around biodiversity water quality I think there's a potential there for, you know, the way we kind of score biodiversity at the moment. So say you get a good score, you have a good score on your farm already that you would get rewarded for that score. You know, so if you if you were getting a four out of 10, you're getting a certain payment. If you get a 10 out of 10, you're getting a different payment. So if you're already at a 10 out of 10, I would see there's a potential there to get a payment for that 10 out of 10 and to maintain that. Um, that Cause you don't want it to go backwards. So you want to maintain it. So you keep the payment. Whereas, emissions reduction or sequestering carbon in your soil 
if you've already been doing great things for years, there might be less opportunity or scope for you to to increase that or to get a payment for that, which is tricky um, because the principles of, a, of, of the framework will likely be around additionality. So it only pays for additional sequestration or emissions reductions. Um, but having said that, I think if you've got a big enough list of measures in there that you can do, I think there's room for everybody to get something out of it. Like it won't, it won't work for every farmer, I don't think, but it, I think it'll work in some way for lots. Um, and say potentially if things like, you know, um, methane inhibitors in, in livestock feed could be included potentially. I'm not saying they will be, but if they were included, like that might say, well, I might not make a lot of money, but it might cover my costs for buying that stuff and I can drive down my emissions. Um, so it's that kind of stuff, you know. I, okay. I think we have we don't know what will be in it yet, so hard to say. But I think I think there'll be something in it for most people. Um, but I think that fairness piece needs to be thrashed out. We need to figure it out. Okay, a question there in relation to uh, flagship four to ten. It looks very like the Chagas strategy and the the. Uh, Department of Agriculture strategy. So I suppose two questions arising from that. Where do you see yourselves adding value to the the work that's already going on with the likes of Chagas Borbia, Department of Agriculture? And where what space do you see yourselves uh, providing funding to, to add that, that uh, extra uh, uh, benefit? Okay, so I think with, with all of the flagships, there's a huge amount going on already. So what we're and this is we recognize this very early on. So our our role is really connecting the dots and facilitating a process. It's not it's not reinventing the wheel here. Like there's so much good stuff happening um, that with a, a little bit of tweak and shift and and maybe a bit more funding, we can really we can really hit the ground. Well, we're we're already hitting the ground walking. We can get up to a run, I think. Um, so I think that's that's where we see our our added value to this is, you know, the kind of the, the honest broker, but the mediator in the middle to kind of pull people together and to co-create and, and organize people to, to come around to, and to put a, a structure in place that we can build around. Um, I think that's probably where we, we add most value. Now, as I said, one of our deliverables is to find funding for all these flagships. That's a huge piece of work, and we are working on that in the background, um, trying to figure out how, what's the best way of pulling all that together, um, for both for individual flagships, but also for the, the entire portfolio. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but we're working on various bits and pieces. We have a whole funding and finance team uh, that are that are kind of looking at that, um, and obviously we're engaged with the strategic investment fund, we're engaged with banks, we're engaged with the department, with the EU, um, so. I don't know what it'll look like, um, but there's a commitment there from our side to try and solve that, at least to some extent, um, and to, to drive things forward. So I, I think that I suppose our added value is trying to amplify the impact that the potential is there for impact. We just want to help people realise it. I think okay. that's probably where 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 we come in. So and, uh, maybe, maybe 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 I'm being a bit too uh, yeah no 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 big, well, big and, my, and, and my own role up there, but. <laughs> Well, and, and realizing you're you're at an early stage of of the development of all of this, uh, a question there in in relation to the, uh, I suppose the relative 
um, potential impacts or the relative need, if you want to look at it from the other perspective, of policy versus, uh, I suppose, uh, support type uh, um, initiatives in relation to, uh, and what I mean by policy is is a, a more restrictive policy. So in terms of getting where we need to get to, how how does the balance between forcing farmers' hands in in relation to with with policy versus incentivizing through uh, uh, other mechanisms? How much of both are we likely to have to implement? In in terms of regulation and policy, I I, I don't know that there's massive shifts needed. Like we have our twenty five percent target. We have our biodiversity targets. We have, you know, we, we have a lot of these things are, are there or, or will be there very soon. We know what good water quality is. We know what quality food is. You know, we know what safe food is. We know all these things. So that's that's kind of there. Um, what we don't have is maybe this idea, and I think we were chatting about this before we came on, is this idea of what is a sustainable farm family? And I, I deliberately put the word family in there because this came up just recently that it's not just about the farmer, it's about the farm family and the farm community. And figuring that out and then, okay, if that's what we want, how do we get it? I think there's a little bit of a shift in thinking maybe needed there. But I, I don't see, like, you know, you, you've been around even a little bit longer than I have. The Irish government is not looking to impose restrictions at the moment i think it's it, this will all be voluntary and i will be looking to incentivize the behaviors that we want um i don't see that changing in the short term but then governments change and who knows um like we we all very familiar with what's going on in brussels and in the netherlands with with some of the imposed changes there and how difficult that has made things nobody wants that here so we have a chance, a window of opportunity, I suppose, to to work on this together to to move it the way we want to do it. Um, I, I, yeah, at the moment, like nobody's talking about saying, you know, you have to have this or you have to have that. It's about like, what can we put in place to incentivize the behaviors that we want, or to incentivize the industries that we want to grow, and that kind of thing. And like, like on the on the tillage one, for instance, like it's very much around, like well. If we want another 60,000 hectares of tillage, like that land has to come from somewhere. You know, it can't come from peatlands. Um, it can't come from forestry. So it's going to have to come from livestock production. But so how do we how do we manage that? How do we do it? Um, Stuart, you, like there's you, no, yeah, so go ahead. Go on. <laughs> yes, sorry, Stuart. Um, we're, we're, we're getting close to, to the end of the session. So, but I, I did, you did mention during your presentation that you saw that some uh, policies being discontinued um, as part of that policy lab exercise. Like, what sort of areas uh, are you looking at there? Yeah, I, I actually, I actually don't know. I, but I, it, it's part of this whole transition um, process that some things we're doing need to be scaled up, and some things we're doing need to be scaled down and scaled out, and that's just a fact. Um, so whether that be on farm or it be at the policy level, um, I think, you know, you always hear these things you know, when you chat to farmers. But you're, you were paying me to take out the hedges a couple of years ago. Now you're paying me to put them back in again. And 
you know, so it's it's looking at what's in there already and going like, is that actually contributing positively to what we want to achieve? And if it's not, we need to phase it out. Um, and phase in things, as I just said, path there, like phase in things that incentivize what we want and phase out things that don't. Um, yeah, so, makes sense. Yeah, we're, not, yeah. we're not layering on, pot, on top of... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what those things would be, I think. But there's a, there's a piece of work there to sit down and figure out, you know, what's here that just doesn't make sense anymore that we need to get rid of. Um, I, I and then certainly... it's, it's not just stopping it quickly. It's like figuring out, okay, can we stop it right now or does it need to be tapered? Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I think, think what you're what you're alluding to is is the fact that we we have a tendency to layer policy on top of the previous policy on top of the previous policy on top of the previous policy and not look at the coherence of an overall policy yeah. interface. And uh, there, I think there's plenty of examples of where that could be worth attacking. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, question there in relation to carbon offsetting and the potential role of carbon offsetting and how much work have we to do in relation to carbon offsetting to get to a to a point where we'll be able to do something meaningful at farm level. I was wondering how long it was going to take for offsetting or insetting to be raised. So, um, yeah, like the offsetting bit is really tricky. I think personally, I, I, I would be, I'm worried about offsetting in terms of selling credits outside of our agri-food system because I, all the offsetting that's going on at the moment, there's a huge question marks over how actual credible it is and how much it is actually driving down emissions. Um, now, if we have a very strong and robust monitoring and verification system here, obviously that that's great. But if everybody's driving down their emissions, where's the market for credits in the future? That's my kind of take on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, so it might, it might be an interim source of funding um to get things moving um but i wouldn't i wouldn't be putting all my eggs in that basket however trying to tie a price premium or you know a consumer ultimately paying a premium for sustainably produced product which would be insetting essentially is a real challenge as well in some sectors more than others um so i don't know um i think there could be a combination of things um, of funding sources for this, but I think that that is something that really needs to be figured out, um, and it's something we're trying to figure out. Um, you know, when you talk to finance people, they say there's money there. I'm aware, <laughs> um, but it's I think until we have a, a fairly robust framework that we can put in front of funders and financers, then it's hard to see. And actually, we're engaging them already in trying to figure out what would they need to see in it. Um, for them to invest in something, um, so there's I a bit the, of the point remains. The point remains, though, Stuart, and you're you're absolutely right. And I think several of our speakers have spoken about this: that that, that offsetting in terms of global emissions. Um, you know, your your impact is is uh, is 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 very limited there. So, I mean, that's what we ultimately need to focus on: is is decarbonization and and. Uh, reducing our, our overall emissions. Uh, yeah, we probably have time for one more question there from the audience. Yeah, you know, there's, a, and I suppose a, a, a question there in relation to the type of initiatives and the type of innovations that you, you see yourselves funding uh, to get an understanding of where the opportunity might be for others to to, to work with you. What are the areas that you're looking at uh, there being a potential for funding? Look, I was I was chatting to someone the other day about setting up 
well, he says Ireland's first, but maybe the world's first carbon neutral um, malting facility. Um, so, you know, that's part of bioeconomy stuff that, and, 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 and in, including in that a, a sustainable supply chain in that as well. So there's, there's, there's all kinds of things in here. You know, chatting to somebody else, um, I don't know if anyone's heard of silicate, um, you know, basically can, what they are looking into is can liming actually lock away carbon? Does it already do this? Um, and could you put a coating on the lime so there's no uh, peak, you know, peak in emissions when you do the actual liming? But then does, is this geo, what's it called, geo weathering? Is that what happens when you put lime on the ground that it locks away carbon indefinitely? And, you know, if that's the case, geez, wouldn't that be brilliant if you get paid a bit of a bonus for that? Um, you know, you get your soil fertility, you get your carbon removals, you get everything from it. Like, So I think there's an infinite amount of things going on um, that can contribute to this. Obviously, a big one is the measurement. Like if we have to baseline all these things on a farm, it's very expensive to go out and do that on every farm. So where's the tech that can give us really robust data but at a much lower cost than where we're at at the moment. Um, and I think th there's there's a huge amount of stuff there. Okay. Um, there's, yeah. there's one possibly slightly cheeky question wondering who are the, the US philanthropists who are, are interested in, 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 in funding? I suspect they might be looking for a, a little bit of insight for themselves. <laughs> I don't uh, expect an answer to that. But no, I'm, I'm not sure that, that that's beyond my take <laughs> in my organization. There's a, our, our, our dear leaders are working on with, with those people and trying to figure out it's not just US though; it would be it would be globally. Um, and to see, we're trying to set up this thing called the one. I think it's the one point five fund. So we're trying to get a fund of one point five billion put together that okay. can fund potentially portfolios like like this one here in Ireland and other things as well. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're going to have to wrap it up there, Stuart. Um, we did have one final comment there. I do, I do, do want to read out just in, in relation to farm size needs to be taken into account, and and our definition of the family farm, uh, I suppose, needs to 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 be re reconsidered, and uh, particularly with you know the the, the increasing uh, size of farms uh, that that has been happening over the, the last number of years, and the, the viability obviously plays. Uh, a, a big um, uh, factor in there. So, look, uh, uh, Stuart, thank you so much. Really interesting uh, presentation. And uh, I think that uh, if people want to find out more about the project, there is a project website, I understand. Um, that yeah, just Google. Google uh, Deep Down Ireland Land Agri Food Deep Demonstration. It's either bring it to our website or Daphne's, one or the other. All the stuff is there. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Stuart and Pat. Thanks very much for helping with the questions and our thanks to, to Mary in the background, uh, helping with the technical side today. Uh, next week, we'll be joined by James Rambod, uh, who's a technologist with Chagisk, and we'll be discussing farm data to decarbonisation, building the backbone of a national carbon monitoring network. Uh, so James has some really interesting uh, work that's going on across the whole of Ireland to uh, to monitor the, the carbon emissions uh, from, from our, our farmlands. So until next week, and uh, just a final reminder that today is brought to you as part of a, an overall series of events uh, as part of Sustainability Month in Chagisk. So do look up the Chagisk website to find out more about uh, events and uh, uh, be it digital or face-to-face -face events that are happening uh, over the, the course of the month. So uh, there's lots Lots, lots happening there and I'm sure there's something happening close to, to where you're based uh, wherever you are in Ireland so until next week uh, take care and uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend
You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.